your side. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. It's time for the Urology Center of Iowa Audio Cut of the Day. And that is a line of caught by Crawford. Brandon Crawford goes up the ladder, takes a hit away from Mookie Betts. Inning is over, and the defense is shining brightly tonight. Set up your vasectomy appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa at 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com. All right, hour number two. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Unbelievable play by seemingly the team of destiny, the San Francisco Giants, uh, who tonight will face the Dodgers. Of course, uh, it's winner go home for the Dodgers. Uh, and we don't know who's starting for them yet. Did you see I haven't that? seen anything, no, yet this not morning. Either. Anyways, Matt Snyder. Is going to join us momentarily. CBSSports.com. Matt Postens at the bottom of the hour on the Big Twelve. Let's get to Matt Snyder. He joins us. What a play by Crawford! You heard the audio clip, Matt. As always, first of all, thank you for uh, finding time for Trent and I. Boy, it's starting to look like just more and more. It's just their year. Let's come. Let's um, you know come to the realization that <laughs> the Giants. There's going to be a parade in San Francisco. It's been unbelievable. What a play by Crawford. Yeah, I mean, you feel like that, and I think it's been what two, three months on this show when I've been since I've been saying, "Hey, I'm done. I've given up on trying to figure them out, and I've given up on betting against them." But by the same token, it's like they're still only up two-one. There are two games left. I think the Dodgers are going to start Walker Bueller tonight oh, on short rest. rest if he comes out and throws well. Game five set up for Julio Urias. Mm-hmm. Now, Logan Webb would be a game five for the Dodgers, and they would probably have all their big guns ready, assuming they don't empty their tanks tonight. So you could still totally see the Dodgers winning the last two games. I, I'm going to stick with my Giants pick. but And I agree, last night kind of felt like one of those games where you're like, all right, Giants are inevitable. They're going to win it all, whatever. But, man, I mean, it, there's been times like this before where we think a team's got it, and then all of a sudden everything flips on its head, and you know what? We could just look at the Rays-Red Sox series where mm-hmm. after the first inning in Game 2, it was like, all right, the Rays are just going to run through the American League, and then they lost three games in a row. Weird game last night as it pertained to weather, and uh, there was a shot yeah. before the game of the foul poles as they're moving back and forth something. They say you see it Chavez Ravine in April, but you don't see it usually later in the year. Impactful, certainly, wind blowing in like that. And just maybe even look at that line drive by Crawford. Maybe it's just a, that fraction that he needed to keep that ball and his his ability to go up and get it. But you know, does that impact? And, and does it look like that's something that's going to continue here as we get ready for Game Four? Colder conditions, lower scoring in Dodger Stadium. I'd be shocked if the wind was like that again. I mean, yeah. we've seen how many games in October in Los Angeles mm-hmm. over the course of the last eight years or so, and I've never seen anything like that. It was weird. It was like a Wrigley Field game almost, where the wind completely determines what kind of game it's going to be. Um, And I have to say, Evan Longoria must have absolutely obliterated that ball for it to be gone. That's a good point. Because if you look, some of the other balls that were deep, uh, there were were a few others, like Chris Taylor had one. But the last out of the game, Gavin Lux, I mean, he thought it was gone right away. I thought it had a pretty good shot. And as you watch Degar running back to the warning track, 
he had to slam on the brakes and he almost fell down having to make the adjustment adjustment to catch it because he was going to the wall and getting ready to scale the wall and then all of a sudden oh wait it's going to be right here at the front of the warning track so i was like Man, Longoria must have really, really put a charge into the one he hit out. Mm. No doubt about it. The other series in the National League, of course, the uh, uh, the uh, the Brewers find themselves in the same spot as the Dodgers here this morning. They have to win today, and they're going to try and beat Charlie Morton, who's been really good and has that postseason experience. Look, we knew the Brewers got a tremendous pitching staff, the bullpen, although the depletion, uh, the injury late in the year with the kid breaking his hand in the celebration. Um, man, oh man, it's, it's, it's been a concern all year long. And it's the, the fact that they just, the offense is so anemic has really reared its head. Give the Braves pitchers yeah. credit on one hand, but man, the, the Brewers, I don't know how it's going to happen, but that offense, my God, it's been 19 innings since they've scored. Yeah. And it's, and it was a while before they scored in the first game, too. Uh, it, it feels like the, the only way they can win a playoff game is the way they did game one, where they essentially sort of shut out. I think they gave up a solo home run in the ninth, so they gave up one run. But uh, And then the offense comes through with like one two-run homer or one three-run homer, and, and that's it. Uh, it's going to be awfully hard to win 11 games that way, uh, much less these next two. So I, it feels like the writing's on the wall there with the offense just being so bad. Um, and, and just think about like late in the game yesterday, two runners on, Kristen Yelich coming up, they're down 3 nothing. It feels like yeah. that should be a highly dramatic Absolutely. situation. Instead, it was more of like a shoulder shrug, like, eh, I just, Yelich isn't really the same, even close anymore. I don't know if really the broken kneecap just ruined his career or, or, or what's going on, but this is not even close to the two years ago Christian Yelich. So, it, yeah, like, it, I was more thinking – Instead of, oh, man, this could be exciting, I was more thinking, well, it should be exciting, but I don't think Yelts is going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then he hit and do a double play. Certainly very anticlimactic, no doubt. Matt, people of, of our era, Ken's era, we think of the Braves and playoff disappointment. Can this team win a World Series? Hmm. They could, absolutely. I mean, it's it, the offense, I think they're being held down right now by the, the Brewers pitching staff mm-hmm. being so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then again, they're not going to face any bad pitching staff the rest <laughs> of the way. Uh, it's, <laughs> they're going to have a lot of trouble against the Dodgers or the Giants in the next round. And then whoever the AL foe is, my hunch is it'll be the Astros. But whoever it is will be an awfully tough opponent as well. But absolutely, I think they have enough talent. Uh, they certainly have enough swagger right now after these last two months. Like, once Ronald Acuna Jr. went down, you thought they were cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, great job of the trade deadline going out. They already had gotten Jack Peterson, but then they also went out and got Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario. They went out and shored things up. The pitching staff's kind of fallen into place. Yeah, it could be one of those teams where they had the, the fewest number of wins heading into the playoffs, but they got hot at the right time. You could see that. I wouldn't bet on it, but you could certainly see it. Giants in four. Giants it just forward. seems like it's their year. It really does. It does. It's just crazy. So let's talk about the American uh, League series that's still going on. And we'll start here, what, less than two hours. We will be underway on the south side. Rodon and McCullers. Boy, um, look, at it's, it, that, that game on, was it Sunday night? Uh, Sunday night, right? All, all that scoring, it was, um, it was it's fun to watch. It was a long game. Um what do the White Sox have to do today? Is Rodon up to the task? Because he did not finish the season uh, the way certainly that he was early in the year. Can can he, you know, propel his team to a game five tomorrow night? 
Well, it's interesting because he faced the Astros twice this year and was nails. He completely dominated them. However, that was back before his shoulder fatigue set in. And I just, if you're the Astros, we've seen this guy twice now. We know all the stuff he's got, but it's going to be three or four miles per hour slower. That feels like something they could tee off on, at least if they see him a second time. So given that the game was canceled yesterday and moved back a day, I feel like if you get him one time through the order, that's a big win. And then you lean heavily on the big bullpen arms and see how much they can get you. Now, that might set you up for a tough game five, but that doesn't matter right now. You can't think ahead like that. You have to win the game right in front of you to extend the season. We'll figure out game five when we get there. It has to be the mindset. So I feel like we'll see if Tony LaRusso, the old school mind, we'll see if he does this. But I feel like if you get Rodon through two, even three innings, you have to call that a victory and turn it over to the bullpen and then just try to piece it together and get through it. But but again, you always have to be adaptable. I doubt this happens, but if the offense goes for like five runs in the first inning, okay, now we have more options. Now we can see how long we can take Rodon and see if we can stretch him a little bit more. If we get past this series, and it is Astros-Red Sox, everything, of course the official whistleblower was the A's as everything was going on back in 2018, but I think the playoff series many people remember is that ALCS between the Red Sox and the Astros. Now, White Sox fans, they were full-throated in Game 3. It'll happen again this afternoon. But just imagine that environment Mm. in Fenway with the Astros coming to town. Think Altuve had it tough in Game (laughs) 3? Just wait, young man. Yeah, it's going to be... It feels like all the stadiums actually feel a little bit more raucous now. They do. I I know some of them, like Dodger Stadium last night, they didn't have too much to cheer about. But but I, I still feel like... The pandemic year, now everybody's just that much more crazy that they actually get to be there for the playoffs. Yeah. It's been really, really fun to watch the crowds go crazy for their their home teams. But yeah, it'll be, you know the Red Sox fans will dial it up. No doubt. So does Kevin Cash come under any heat? I mean, look, this team, I don't know how they do it year after year. There are a bunch of guys that, um, it's a low payroll, as we know. There's no, there's a bunch of stars on there, but there's not... You know, not one of those the biggest names in the game. Some young guys. Uh, Kiermaier's a hell of a player. Uh, Franco will get there. Yeah, for Wander Franco will get there. No question about that. Trent, well said. But um, when, when does Kevin Cash take any heat for a, again a disappointment at the end of the year after winning a hundred games uh, th- this season? I can't see it. Um, the only thing I, I guess uh, last night, Colin McHugh looked. Unbelievable for two innings. I know he's a reliever now and not a starter anymore, but he's only thrown 18 pitches. He's gone up in the 30s several times here. I would have had him go a third inning. The third innings when McClanahan completely melted down. The only thing is on that, I think that's a front office plan. I I don't Mm. think that they, I don't want to say like he's a puppet or anything, and, and allow might not be the right word, but I believe the front office draws up their pitching plans. Obviously, sometimes he has to adapt on the fly, but my guess is it was get McHugh through two if you can, and then you're going to McClanahan to get length, and he did. So I, I don't think that he really comes under any scrutiny at all. I, I don't think that's his fault at all. And, uh, I mean, the team, and, let's face it, in game three, they, they kind of got screwed by that ball hitting up yeah. the throw and going over the wall. Unlucky for sure. If, if, it's a, if the wall is two feet higher, mm-hmm. you know, they've probably got a runner on third base, and have the lead, they might they might tack on another two runs. You never know. So uh, 
I'm not inclined to blame Cash. I don't think I've seen much of it, so I think he's probably fine. Yeah, McClellan maybe kept him in for one guy too many in that uh, early in the game, but uh, I think we're kind of picking nits when it gets to that point. Speaking of Tampa, the future, the talk of Montreal, the split season. Where are we in that process? What's the latest that we have? Be cool for Montreal, obviously. Be something completely different than what we're used to in baseball. The reality that something like that does happen. It seems like ownership wants to do it. Obviously, Montreal wants to do it, but mm-hmm. pretty much nobody else does. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. It's To release a statement in the middle of a playoff yeah, series yeah. and say that it, it's impossible to make baseball work in Tampa Bay, when they've been in St. Pete, we know if they built a stadium on the Tampa side that it would probably work a lot better with that metropolitan area. Uh and they haven't even tried it. They haven't tried it, so you can't say you know for sure. And it's their regional TV ratings are great. Uh, that area desperately wants to support their Rays. It's just a lot tougher to go there on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm frustrated with the ownership group. I think everybody should be. And I have I, I just can't see how the two city thing could work. Yeah, now, I'm with you. The easy thing would be to say, well, no free agents ever going to sign there. Well, they hardly get any anyway. I mm-hmm. guess. But the move isn't to, to kind of embrace that. It's to what can we do to improve our situation so we can land free agencies and increase payroll. Yeah, I mean, look, selfishly, I, lo- I love Montreal. I hope it happens. But what about Ibor City? Were they ever – I mean, that's a – I don't know what the, what the land availability is like there, but there's got to be a better place than where the trop sits. It's really difficult to get to. It is. Once you there get to it, it's the biggest dump in sports – uh, and I yep. don't think I'm being uh, over the top no. with that. Um, what about like an Ibor City, somewhere around that uh, that area of Tampa? Because that's bustling. Yeah, anywhere. I mean, anywhere. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes, that would work. But I'm more on like just get it uh, across the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I uh, hopefully they make something work around there. If they don't and they have to move, I, I don't think that it should be a uh, half measure. I, I think if you say we can't make it work here and Major League Baseball says, fine, we believe you, then you need to move and you need to be in one city. The two-city thing can't work. I I mean, I know we haven't really tried it. I think it was like the Expos in Puerto Rico, half and half in Montreal and Puerto Rico, but they were done anyway. Well, the Jays had a three-city um, thing this year, but that was, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That, and, and that's the thing. Before they settled in Toronto, they had a losing record at They home. were 25 and 11 once they got north of the border at home. Then, yes, 25 and 11. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, especially seeing the way the Red Sox race series just went, that that could have cost them an ALCS. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, that's, that's salt in the yeah, wound. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> rubbing it in just a little bit. Might be salt in the wound if the Dodgers do find a way to come back. They'll take on the Braves, and they won't have home field. I have no problem with the wild card, the structure. I like it. I'm even not somebody that wants to see them reseed after that wild card round. But this. You win 106 games against a team that won 88, <laughs> and the Braves get home field advantage. I do have a little problem with that. How about you, Matt Snyder? Yeah, I'm in a way. I'm probably maybe I'm still reeling from the 97 win Cubs having to be the road team against what were the Mets 90 wins in yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. But it's you're always going to have little anomalies like that. I think. But this isn't little. <laughs> this is like a, a ridiculous amount of games. It's seventeen game difference, and you've got to be the road team. Uh, the easy thing to say is, well, you know what? If you're the better team, go out and win some road games. Mm-hmm. And they, and that's probably what would happen. 
but I agree that it just seems wrong in so many ways. Uh, let's do this. Put you on record before we let you go. Uh, does Houston end the series today? Yeah, I think so. Does Atlanta? I think, I think that, yeah. Uh, yes, I think both of them are probably over. And what about the uh, NFC or the NFC, uh, the National League West tilt Dodgers Giants? Do they extend or is it over? We're, I think we're going to get five. Oh, I hope we deserve right. five, don't we? We do deserve yeah. <laughs> five. But the Giants are a team of destiny. Matt Snyder, good stuff. We will speak with you next week. CBSSports.com. Thank you, Matt Snyder. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Matt Snyder, a weekly guest with it all uh, baseball season long. So the you see the Bat Rivers contest, the, the crew that was uh, participating and the ones that uh, you and I weren't invited to play in. Um, Ted Flint. Yeah, better future on the Giants before this thing started. Oh yeah, that's a brilliant. That's the way you win these things. Got to have those futures. You have to have. It. He's got the Giants. I think I saw. Were they seven to one? Sounds about right. Yeah, seven to one. It's pretty good. Oh, really good. Good for him. Still uh, the Dodgers. Yeah. It's... Walker Bueller tonight. He get the ball. I'd love to see it. I hope he does. Is yeah. that eight thirty seven or eight oh seven? Good question. Let's pull it up here. Buy the, buy the old man a half hour. That's what you need. And you'll get it tonight. 807. 807 with the first pitch. We got 107 for the White Sox and Strohs. Mm-hmm. Brewers, Braves, 415. Okay. And then 807, Giants, Dodgers. And of course, the Sun Belt at 630. Going to be a busy night on it's the good Tuesday. Cracker. Not a bad Tuesday. That is for sure. Going to watch the Kraken tonight in their debut in the NHL? Uh, maybe, yes. I think I, yeah, I think I will a little bit. And ESPN is going to push hockey again. Yeah. That's a good thing That's for the sport. That's good for the sport. Yeah. Absolutely. Good for the sport. No doubt about it. It's back after that long two-month absence. I'm not going to sit down and watch games more than I normally do. No, you'll catch up with them in April, May. But I flip on SportsCenter, and I'll see There's five minutes of highlights. Highlights, right. Yes. And Where, Barry Melrose in his pinstripe suits. Yes, which I only, again, see usually in April and May. Mm-hmm. And now see him more, and I'm sure he's going to be a bigger part of those sports centers. And, oh, oh positive okay. he will be. So I'll keep closer eye. Yeah. Already got the Islanders' future. Yeah. What'd you get him at? 15, 18, 20? I think it was 18 to 1. Yeah. Playing around a little bit. You got any nuggets for me? I uh, I have them at 20 to 1. Of course, I bet my yearly Jets ticket. And I have Patrick Line to lead the league in scoring. And I got him at 50 to 1. 50 to 1. 50 to 1. Took a shot. Why not? Miller and Condon back with Big 12 conversation next. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sport. You know, it just dawned on me. Yeah. Let me stop right there for okay. a second. When we say what we're betting, you know, it drives me nuts when, oh, if I had this guy, my, he has my bench. If only I would have played him. Yeah, yeah. The fantasy conversation. Yes. Right? And it drives me crazy. Does it drive people crazy? Because I don't think I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to other people's fantasy teams. When we're sharing our bets. But people can that... jump aboard with us. Or they can fade us. Yeah. No, I know. I like, I'm like. i not talking about your segment at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I love the Mr. Monday Night Who Got Beat Again last night. Oh, that was brutal. a rough one. Um but I just wonder when, when when talk show hosts are sharing their plays, is it, is it akin to telling the world about your fantasy football team and nobody cares? I had that upset in my bracket. Or there's well, another one. You had a dozen brackets. <laughs> I hope you had that 12-5.
Good one. Uh, it's 11.25. We will be back with Matt Postens, and we will discuss the Big 12. He also covers the Cowboys um, in for the Maven, which is under the Sports Illustrated umbrella, so maybe a Cowboys Q or two. We're here until noon. It's 1460 KXNO and 106. So, Trent Condon here to tell you about Renestate, the new revenue rocket ship. Putting your home up for rent, not for sale. But why would you do that in a seller's market? Just do the math. Selling a home will catch you some cash once, while renting a home keeps that cash coming month after month after month. And because there are always renters, but not always buyers, Renestate is foolproof, recession-proof, and retirement plan positive. What's not to love? The hassles of being a landlord? For one monthly flat rate. Renter's Warehouse will take away the tedious tasks. Tend to your tenants, answer the 3 a.m. calls, market your property, and collect the rent. Make the savvy, long game, paradigm shift and choose Renestate with Renter's Warehouse. Get your free rental price analysis today. Go to Renter'sWarehouse.com or call 515-528-4429. 515-528-4429. Because you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call. Guys, are you looking for an excuse to watch football all weekend long? Then schedule your vasectomy with the Urology Center of Iowa. The Urology Center of Iowa offers nitrous during your vasectomy, cutting-edge technology to help you relax during your procedure. Make the call to 515-400-3550. That's 400-3550 or online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it on KXNO. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on, on KXNO. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. It's 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM just past 1130 as we take you up and towards noon. Of course, Murph and Andy at 1, the Fanatics at 3. Today is Tuesday, so Heinz and Petey will be on the air at 6 with the Cyclone Insider from the Des Moines Register. Let's get our friend Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports in here as we talk a little bit of Big 12. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you? Hi, I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Doing pretty well, Matt. I just to uh, pick your brain on uh, on this uh, conference uh, about the midway point, if you will, uh, at least uh, as far as games played. Only a couple of them uh, within the conference. Uh, I guess we should start with Texas and Oklahoma, the Red River Showdown. What an incredible game! Um, what an incredible environment! Uh, Texas is out to what twenty-eight-seven lead, only to see Oklahoma switch quarterbacks and the game flips. So my question to you is. What 
what does Lincoln Riley do? Spencer Rattler, who was you know the Heisman favorite, he's going to be the first pick in next year's NFL draft, and now he's on the bench. How does Lincoln Riley handle this? Yeah, I think that's going to be the harder decision than benching Rattler during the game on Saturday. You know, you you make that kind of a decision during the game, and and you're kind of you're kind of going with your gut. You know, I think that deep down in his gut, he felt like Caleb Williams just could give them something at that point, being down 21 points and really not having anything to lose. Now he's got to make a much harder decision. Does he go back to Rattler? Does he go back to the player that you know has been his starting quarterback for most of the last year and a half? Or does he roll the dice and go with Caleb Williams, who admittedly I felt like gave them some energy uh, offensively, but you know may not be totally ready to be the the guy, so to speak, for the rest of the season. And in if you start Williams, does that alienate Rattler, uh, especially when he hasn't used up his transfer yet? Uh, it's a really interesting dynamic, and and Lincoln was very coy about it on Monday, you know, saying he hadn't made a decision yet felt comfortable with those guys. Those are the things you would expect him to say at this point. Mm -hmm. My gut says that I think he's going to go with Caleb on Saturday. Uh, I don't have a real, I don't have any inside information. I just feel like this is going to be a hot hand situation. He knows his team's undefeated. They're number three in the country. He knows that there's a, a pretty clear path for them to the playoffs if they can win out and win the conference. And I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, He's going to ride the hot hand and start Caleb Williams on Saturday. I think that's the direction you have to go. There's also murmurs about Spencer Rattler, the dude. Likes to be in front of a camera, a lot of NIL talk, maybe some division inside the locker room. I know that's a step further than a lot of reportings out there, but there's at least rumblings about that. It's a different era, certainly, of college football when we're dealing with this. Do you think that's a piece of this puzzle, though? It's possible. I mean, you know, a lot of what I've seen players use NIL for has been, you know, positive. Uh, I think one player in the Big 12 who's done a really good job of using it over the summer and the fall to leverage himself is actually Kevin McCullough, who's a basketball player for Texas Tech. He's done some really, he's a Canes ambassador like uh, Rattler is. He's got some deals with car dealerships there in Lubbock. But he hasn't had a season to deal with yet. He's been doing this since July, and now the season's coming up for mm -hmm. basketball. And I think from a coaching perspective, this is the thing that coaches are worried about. In the season, does this stuff distract from what the player's trying to do? Are they going to become more enamored with doing that than with actually putting in the time to you know prepare to play football? I don't know if that's the case with Rattler. Most of the coaches that I've heard interviews uh, with this season have talked positively about what NIL has done for their players, but that's also not something they're really going to talk about publicly. If this is distracting him from what he should be doing on the football field, then that would be a justifiable reason for Lincoln Riley to bench him in favor of Caleb Williams. Uh, interesting. Uh, well, I'm not sure what Kennedy Brooks has for <laughs> for opportunities like that, but man, they should be lining up after that performance, uh, which is getting totally overlooked. The the, uh, the in particular the second half that he had. Here's my question. Here's another question, and you get to decide this because it's tied right now uh, between Mike Gundy and, and Dave Aranda for the coach of the year so far in the Big Twelve. Look, I think Oklahoma State. There was some love out there for them. I didn't see any for Baylor. Who's done a better job in your mind to this point, coaching-wise, in the Big 12? Uh, I think that Aranda's probably done a little better job. And I know that 
you know, they've got a loss right now, and they lost to Oklahoma State. But right. when you consider where Baylor was after last season, the fact that Aranda didn't even get an offseason with his team because of COVID, he didn't get any in-person work with them the way that um, other coaches have um, have been able to do. Yeah, I just feel like the turnaround that they've put together is probably a slightly better coaching job than Gundy. But I, you know, Oklahoma State is clearly a more talented team. Their defense is one of the best in the conference. They're in the top 25 in the country in several different categories. And when I was kind of breaking that game down when they play Texas on Saturday for, for Heartland, you know, I think that defense is going to be a really interesting matchup for Texas because that, that Oklahoma State defense and I can't believe I'm actually saying this, <laughs> might actually be the deep best defense they played to this point yeah. this season. That's incredible. It Oklahoma is. State. And how they've rebuilt uh, things yeah. over there and completely kind of changed their identity. What was the other guy? Was it Glenn Spencer who ran that defense for a couple and got shown the door? Uh, I think so anyways. Iowa State. We just don't know. I hmm. don't. And it's a bye week last week, so don't have that extra data point at this point. But where are you with the Cyclones? They get ready, spot down at Kansas State taking on climbing squad. History is on the side of Kansas State when you look at the season series history, at least in recent history. But where are you with the Cyclones right now as you try to kind of find their place inside the 10-team conference? Well, I mean, I love their defense. I mean, they've mm-hmm. got so many great pieces on that side, and I, I feel like they've done a, a very good job all season. You know, you look at them in the defensive categories, they're up there too. They're doing a really good job of, of uh, holding the line from a defensive standpoint. But you know, it's just their offense just hasn't been as consistent as I think any of us were expecting. So, you know, what it, what I'm hoping for, if I'm an Iowa State fan coming out of the bye week, is to see an energized Brock Purdy, a, a more consistent offense up and down the field, uh, one that can really, you know, start putting up some points. Because, you know, you look at the conference race, they're by no means out of this. All you have to do is finish in the top two. Uh, they've got games ahead of them with Texas, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, so there's a level of them controlling their own destiny. Uh, I'm not really worried about their defense. It's just can their offense get back to being consistently explosive like it was last year? And if they can, then they can compete with anybody in this conference. But if they continue to have the offensive issues they've had from a consistency standpoint, then they're going to struggle with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Texas. Yeah, I'm with you, and I totally like Trent. Now, that's where we opened the show in our first segment. We just don't know. They pounded UNLV, but everybody does. They pounded Kansas, and everybody will. Uh, the teams that they Iowa beat them, and they're number two in the country. And Baylor's way better than anybody thought. So it's going to be a a real tell, I think, this weekend when they uh, play Climbing Squad with Skylar Thompson, who is going to answer the bell. The other team that I'm struggling with is is TCU, and it just depends yeah. what week I watch them for crying out loud. Uh, tell, help me out on 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 Gary Patterson's squad. Well, if you watched them this past week, um, they were pretty darn good, yeah. and. Yeah, it's funny. They they put a, a hurt on Texas Tech from uh, a rushing standpoint. Uh, both Zach Evans and Kendry Miller had 100 yards rushing in that game. Uh, I'm sorry, Zach Evans. Evans got hurt actually halfway through the game and, and didn't come back, but it sounds mm. like it's a relatively minor injury. They were without two guards in that game, so they didn't even have a starting lineup, and they ran all over Texas Tech. And really, if you look back at the Texas game, I know they lost that game, but they were in that game. You know, they didn't lose that. They lost that game by less than a touchdown. So, you know, I kind of feel like they're starting to round into shape. I don't think they're going to be as consistently explosive on the offensive side as they were last week against uh, the Texas Tech. But they're going to be a team that I think is 
you're going to see them really kind of grind it out from a, a running the football standpoint, probably more than any other team in the conference, because between Evans and Miller, they've got two quality backs. Duggan can run the ball. I see this offense kind of becoming a bit more you know, run-based with play action and, and some design rollout to help Duggan get out and, and, and move the football around. I thought their defense played well against Tech. Uh, I think the trick for them is when they play these really explosive teams like Oklahoma on Saturday, they're going to have to find a way to slow those teams down. Uh, and their defense has been a little banged up. Uh, they, they had uh, Tomlinson playing at safety. He had a really good game against Texas Tech. But the, the problem for them right now is they're by no means healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Three years ago, four new coaches were brought into the Big 12. It was Matt Wells at Tech, West Virginia with Neil Brown, Les Miles, who's no longer at Kansas, and of course, Kleiman at Kansas State. Out of that group, and let's just move Kansas aside, out of that three, year three for all of them, and it maybe feels like all three are a tick behind where the hope at least they'd no, be at this point? Excellent point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I'm surprised at where West Virginia Me is too. right now. I, I I really thought I didn't think they were going to win the conference, but I really thought they'd be a seven or eight eight win team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really hard for me to put a finger on you know what it is, except that they're just not getting it done on the offensive side of the football because I felt like their defense has been fairly consistent all year. You know, Kansas State. You know, I, I think this shows you the value of quarterback in this conference. Yeah. Skylar Thompson keeps getting hurt. I think that. That held them back at the end of last year when he got hurt. I think it's held them back the past couple of weeks. Um, if you want to see the value of a, a backup quarterback at the college level, look no further than Penn State and Iowa mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, when they uh, when Penn State lost their starter, uh, they were they were lost. So you, you've got to have two good quarterbacks on your roster. And you know, as for you know Matt Wells, he's taken a, a chance on bringing in a whole bunch of transfers this year. I think in an effort to kind of bolster his roster, make it older, in a sense, try to save his job. I think overall, it's helped. Uh, they're better defensively, um, but again, you know, they're playing with a backup quarterback in Henry Columbia. So if, if you you look at the the thread of all the all three of these teams right now, and the fact that they look like they're a step behind, I think a lot of it has to do with quarterback play. Um, you know the, the teams that are up there and successful. They've got they've got solid players at quarterback. Uh, the ones that are, are toward the bottom, they're either playing with a, a quarterback that you know might not play at other Division One schools, or they're playing with a backup. Hmm. Uh, last thing on the on the Big Twelve, at least for me, then I'll do one one uh, Cowboys question for you, Dallas, because they look like they're they're a major pain in the butt uh, in the NFC. What are you hearing as far as Oklahoma and Texas, as far as their uh, uh, their exit situation? Is there a chance? Because when it first happened, I thought there's no way that this thing is going to uh, drag itself out for any length of time. What's the latest? Might they be in the Big Twelve next year? Because I didn't think there would be any chance in hell that would happen. Well, the, the public line is that they're not leaving until the grant of rights ends, which is after the twenty twenty four twenty five season. In my opinion: I don't think they'll be in the Big Twelve beyond the end of the twenty twenty two twenty three athletic year. Um, the buyout is obviously significant; it's mm-hmm. eighty million for each of them. They could both pay it and leave the conference tomorrow. The problem is they don't have anywhere to go right now because I don't think the SEC is ready for them. Uh All of this is tied to the college football playoff. And since Texas and Oklahoma announced they were going to the SEC, now everybody wants to tap the brakes on playoff expansion. They want to talk about it some more. There was actually discussion about them expanding the playoff as early as 2023. 
and now, you know, it might be 2024, it might be 2026. I think all of this is tied to this. I think once we know what the playoffs going to be, you know, in terms of expansion, which I still think it's going to be 12 teams, and once we know when that's going to start, I think you're going to see all the pieces start falling into place. Uh, the college football playoffs next meetings in January, I wouldn't expect a decision at that point, but maybe a decision at their meeting after that. And I think then that would allow everybody to start, you know, getting the ball rolling on seeing when exactly these teams might start moving around. But I think the biggest holdup is the playoff, the TV money, and the fact that, you know, if all these teams were to disengage from their conferences tomorrow, no, their new homes are not ready to take them yet. Hmm. Matt, we literally have 30 seconds left. Um, and I do want to ask you about the Cowboys because they look like, I don't know, uh, the second or third best team in the NFC right now. I guess you have to put Arizona on the list. Tampa Bay beat them on the, the lid lifter on that Thursday night. Although the Cowboys impressed me even in defeat. Uh, where, where, where would you power rank the Cowboys in the NFC right now? I think the way they're playing right now, they're a top five team. Uh, I mean, I expected them to be good on offense. Uh, they've rediscovered their running game and that defense, even though it is banged up, I think people forget they don't have DeMarcus Lawrence right now. That defense has become aggressive. They're creating turnovers. Uh, Trevon Diggs has turned into one of the best playmakers in the NFL. And, you know, I think once they get uh, two or three guys back that are, that are on injured reserve, uh, that unit has potential to be even better. I feel like they're a top-five team right now. Matt Postens covers the Big 12 for Heartland College Sports and the Dallas Cowboys Foundation, uh, the Cowboy Maven uh, part of Fan Nation. Matt, great stuff. Thank you. We'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Matt Postens, as we catch up on the Big 12. Uh, we are back uh, following this with Trent's Plays of the Day. They're sponsored by Circus Sports. Who does he like? That's next. 1460 KXNO 106. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Guys, are you looking for an excuse to watch football all weekend long? Then schedule your vasectomy with the Urology Center of Iowa. The Urology Center of Iowa offers nitrous during your vasectomy, cutting-edge technology to help you relax during your procedure. Make the call to 515-400-3550. That's 400-3550 or online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it. I- Do you remember the time that Michael Jordan won the first of his three-peat championships? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf Jobs to apply. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day, presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. You're going football. You got three baseball games. Yes. Little puck. No. <laughs> Though I might, I want to see the Kraken tonight. I, I do want to see the new uniforms. I'll flip it on at the very least, but Dodgers, Giants, full attention on that yeah. one. When we get to the evening, starting college football tonight, it's the fun belt. And I'm laying the points tonight with Appalachian State. I mentioned at the top of the show, a couple of concerning numbers that jumped out to me, even as both teams are 4-1 and one with the Raging Cajuns. So I'm going to lay those points on the road, lay the 4.5. That's where it is at Circa currently with Appalachian State. One baseball of the three I'm going to play, at least right now. You know how days kind of continue for me sometimes. 
Give me the Astros. I'm going to go with McCullers. Rodon, the injury, I think. Oh. You just you just don't know. I know this is worst case scenario because if they yeah, if Houston wins, there's no sports tomorrow night. Except for hockey. hockey. Right. It's a full night of hockey. See, and then you wouldn't even have to worry about that. Wouldn't that be a good thing for you? Yeah, because the Jets play and I right. will, I do want to watch them. That's a fair point. So, so you just be able go to go Astros go. <laughs> so you're gonna jump aboard with me there. And minus one ten on both sides. I was a little surprised by the number. And I'm gonna do that with the Astros here this afternoon. Lowest takeouts in the in the business at yes, Circus Sports. All right, good stuff. Uh, that will do it for today. We are going to have Michael Swain on tomorrow. You Cyclone fans, uh, we will put you back in the spotlight tomorrow. Michael Swain, who's listening to the Iowa State pressers as we speak. Uh, Murph and Andy will slide on in here in an hour and five minutes. Of course, the Fanatics at three. And then more Iowa State tonight at 6 o'clock as Cyclone Insider Randy Peterson, Travis Hines from 6 until 7. That's going to do it from us. We are here, Miller and Condon, who is who we are, every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.